Poole Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. Lakeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. Welcome back. We're so excited to be doing episode two of the Emerald Couch podcast. Um, Thanks again for joining us. We are still just as eager as we were last week. Just excited about the podcast and obviously the words of support that we've gotten from family and friends um, who have tuned in um, is super exciting and we're happy that you all are just as excited as we are. So Um, If you are listening for the first time, make sure that you go ahead and subscribe. Um, Follow us on Instagram. That's at Go Small Talk Counseling. Um, And like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash smalltalkcounseling to always make sure that you get the latest on when we're posting new episodes and also just to know more about what's going on at the practice. So thanks again for tuning in and we're going to kick off episode two. So April, I think I mentioned in uh, the last podcast for us is a big month. It's our anniversary month. Um, So we are celebrating all month long, uh, but there are also some other special um, occasions happening this month just for um, our practice as um, a counseling area or just as a counseling space for people to talk about mental health, to talk about wellness um, in a way that we probably just don't on a a daily basis. And so we're excited because April is also Counseling Awareness Month. Um, And so this includes mental health counselors, school counselors, college counselors, substance abuse, um, career counselors. So any type of counselor you could think of, um, we're celebrating you today. And that includes me. So I'm very excited about that. Um, The American Counseling Association has really done a great job, I think, this month of promoting um, what counseling really is um, and how a counselor can help, particularly knowing that there's so much stigma um, around counseling, it's really difficult sometimes to get people to even start um, to search for a therapist, to trust the process, to um, really believe that it can be something that works for them. So I'm super excited about the fact that um, ACA has taken it upon themselves during this month to really just spread a message um, about the importance of counseling, the important role that counselors play, and then just sort of breaking it down and making it really clear um, about how counselors can can help and what they can help with. And so um, of a very long list of things, you know, some of the things that I love that they pointed out was, you know, a counselor can help with um, sort of our most simple issues. So, you know, making 
a decision or a career change um, to really intensive, maybe more long-term issues that, you know, definitely can be overcome, but will take a little bit more work and effort, um, like recovering from trauma, addiction, um, being able to get your marriage on track, getting a relationship back on track, um, a family. So, you know, it's very wide range. And then, of course, there's areas that I think often get overlooked, like substance use, um, people rejoining civilian life after being in the military, recovering from life-threatening illnesses, um, being in the process of going through um, a terminal illness. So um, there's not really um, a limit to what counseling and therapy can really do to benefit people. So um, I do hope that if nothing else, people take this month to just learn a little bit more about what counseling is, what therapy is, and how it can be useful. Um, and of course, if we can help with that, you let us know. Um, but I think it's it's just a great time and, and um, a really great coincidence that while we're celebrating two years of being in business and being open and providing counseling and therapy services to our community, um, that this is also the same month that we celebrate counseling and bringing awareness um, so just another reason why small talk is pretty great. Um, I think for the most part, people always want to know what I love most about being a counselor. Um, and I think, you know, and you probably hear this a lot from multiple counselors, but what I love most is being able to see lives change, um, being a partner in that change. So a lot of people think of counseling or therapy as this sort of hierarchy. And so when this person comes in, um, that we as therapists or as counselors have all the answers. Um, and honestly, you all who come in as clients provide us with the answers. And so it's really nice to be able to be a part of that process of discovery and change with someone um, who's really trusting you um, with everything that they may have um, going on in their life and, and allowing you to be able to be a part of that process as you work with them um, to reach goals and really kind of get to a place where you create opportunities um, for your clients to dream again and pursue goals. That's something else that I love um, working with people on is just being able to offer that um, partnership to them as they work to create those opportunities for themselves and obviously make maybe long awaited changes that they um, just couldn't do by themselves or couldn't do with the help and support of, of friends only. And so um, those are some of the things that I love um, about being a counselor. I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Um, and so even for me as a counselor celebrating um, Counseling Awareness Month, I definitely have uh, made a concerted effort to celebrate this month by committing to my own self-care um, also getting out there, doing things that I've wanted to do, including the Emerald Couch podcast and being able to um, do something different and do something that fulfills parts of me that on a daily basis, maybe I don't get to do. So um, I've already taken two weekend trips this month, one to Galveston, one to Tallahassee, which is my old stumping grounds. Um, and it's been great just to sort of allow myself that time to do that and just really being committed to spending time with people um, that revive and refresh me um, and our positive influences has been probably one of the biggest things that I've done myself to personally celebrate Counseling Awareness Month. And so the month's not over yet, so I'm not done yet either. Um, but those are just some of the ways that I really uh, have, in, have enjoyed this month 
um, while bringing awareness to people who just maybe don't know. Um, and so it's been pretty awesome so far. April's been really good. Um, I think another piece, just to switch topics a little bit, um, April's also National Minority Health Month. Um, and so this is obviously a time to learn um, more about the health status of racial and ethnic minority populations in the U.S. Um, and this year's theme for 2018 is partnering for health equity, um, which I think is probably um, a great way to kind of highlight the partnerships at all levels, um, you know, at our local levels, our state levels, nationally, um, to be able to really help reduce those disparities in health and health care, which we know um, is a huge topic, not only in politics, but just in um, sort of social, the social world right now. Um, and so even though there are, you know, all levels and types of care, mental health um, is often left out of that conversation and sometimes minimized in comparison to other forms of physical health care. And so, of course, because it's the Emerald Couch and it's what we do, um, definitely being able to think about how we could highlight sort of mental health being a part of that National Minority Health Month um, is super important. So while specifically there are um, still several roads to travel and a long way to go, um, we definitely have seen recent increases in discussions around mental health um, for various reasons. I think things that have been going on in our nation, but also um, just a, a level of comfort that didn't once exist and now does. And so being able to um, continue to highlight that I think is important. Um, and of course, more specifically in thinking about specific minority groups, obviously for myself as a black female, black mental health is also an area that um, we've seen um, heat hit somewhat of a, a a peak or a spike um, in being a discussion, which I think is awesome. Um, actually, tomorrow I'm going to be on a panel um, for LSU's Black Graduate and Professional Student Association discussing um, mental health for our graduate students and, you know, being able to maintain um, sort of that wellness in a process that if you've never gone through graduate school, you may or may not really understand how intense um, that experience can be. And a lot of times along the way in that process, um, people let their mental health fall to the wayside and don't necessarily do what's necessary to not only be successful academically, um, but in a holistic way and, and from a mental health perspective. So um, like I mentioned, while we still have a long way to go, we've seen a recent increase in discussions around black mental health. And I think it's important um, just to share some stats even around that, about 13.2% of the U.S. population um, identifies as Black or African American, and of that percentage, so of 13.2% um, of the, our population, 16% of that group have had a diagnosable mental illness within the past 12 months. So that equates to about 6.8 million people. That's a lot of people um, who have experienced some form of distress or discomfort related to mental illness. And so it's definitely a conversation we have to continue to have. But I think we are also, you know, very aware of the fact that there's been historical adversity, which includes things like 
uh, slavery, race-based exclusion from healthcare, educational settings, social and economic resources that really translates into um, some of the disparities that we see being faced by African-Americans today, particularly when it comes to seeking mental health uh, support. So, um, of course, I think the biggest one probably is social status um, is directly linked to mental health. Often people who are impoverished, um, who may be homeless, are incarcerated, uh, or have substance abuse issues are always at higher risk for poor mental health. And so obviously because of those things that I mentioned um, a few minutes ago about some of the disparities that we've seen in different areas um, of society and different sort of realms in which we navigate, it's really difficult to then overcome some of those um, disparities related to socioeconomic status um, and be able to not fall on the lower end of that status in order to then be able to have the type of care needed. Um, so despite progress, I think, made over the years, racism obviously continues to have an impact on the mental health um, of Black and African-American people. So negative stereotypes, um, and obviously, you know, there, there continues to be adverse consequences um, of fighting against things like racism and, and that wears on people a lot. So um, in addition, you know, to some of the things I already mentioned, like social status, educational level, um, even where you live um, plays a part in it and your, your level of access to services as well. So um, those are some of the maybe external factors I think internally, there are also a number of things that keep people from seeking treatment um, and really receiving quality care. And a lot of times that's, you know, as simple as just a lack of information and sort of stigma that's just related to what mental health is. Um, I always joke and tell people all the time that I'm not necessarily fully sure that my family gets what I do. You know, I think people sort of describe it as, oh, you sit there and strangers tell you like their deepest, darkest secrets. And in most cases, the things that people are experiencing, um, they probably experience them very openly, um, but people just don't notice. People don't realize um, that they may be struggling. And so um, I do think that there's just a general misunderstanding out there um, about mental health, particularly in the black community. Um, that we still sort of have to face and definitely serves as a barrier to people seeking treatment and receiving the quality care that they really, really need. So another area um, would include faith and spirituality. So I definitely consider myself um, a person of faith, a spiritual person, someone who definitely relies on um, my trust in God and in um, my ability to be able to accomplish the things that have been purposed for my life um, is very much dependent upon my spirituality and my faith. So it definitely plays a role, I think, um, in the African-American community where faith and family um, and spiritual beliefs tend to be uh, this great resource of strength um, and support. However, what researchers also found that many African-Americans rely on faith and family um, in these social communities for emotional support rather than turning to healthcare professionals. And so even though medical or therapeutic treatment might be necessary, um, they often tend to forego it and rely solely on um, the support of their social circle. 
And so while faith and spirituality can definitely help in the recovery process um, or the therapeutic process, it can't be the only option you pursue. Um, If spirituality is important in your life, then your spiritual practices can also be very much a part of your treatment plan, a part of your treatment. Um, And so your spiritual leaders and and faith community can provide support, obviously, and reduce maybe feelings of isolation um, or that lack of community can be filled by being a part of a religious or church community. Um, But you have to also be aware that sometimes faith communities can be a source of distress um, and the stigma that we've talked about already with mental health, um, particularly if they're misinformed about what mental health is and if they don't know how to support individuals or family who are dealing with um, some of the issues um, that mental illness brings. So, you know, the message from that, I think, is make sure you rely on your family and community um, and your faith to support you, but you also may need that in addition to seeking professional help. So definitely don't... um, feel like you have to choose one over the other. I think kind of the last area um, where we just kind of see some of the things that keep people from seeking treatment or receiving quality care, it's just a general mistrust and an inability to access mental health services. So obviously, um, African Americans and other minority groups have been negatively affected by prejudice and discrimination um, within the healthcare system for a very, very long time. Um, There's often then uh, misdiagnoses and um, a lack of sort of like cultural competency when it comes to some medical professionals. And so obviously you have one bad experience, just like any of us, um, you're not going to go back. So the same thing when we go to a restaurant and the service is awful or someone says something that's biased or discriminatory, um, the next thing that comes out of our mouth usually is I'm never going back there again. Uh, Well, this same thing happens with medical care, medical treatment, particularly for um, mental health services. And so this is something that happens probably more often than, than we think. Um, because of that, you know, that person or people get inadequate treatment and, you know, those are typically things that turn people away. And so there's an inequality of care. Um, the provider is biased. There's so many things about that message that then reinforces the stigmas that are out there um, and pushes people to then just make the choice not to seek services. So um, being able to make sure that, you know, that mistrust and that inability to access um, health care is something obviously as a nation we have to address, but being able to also think about what that looks like um, for us as clinicians is definitely something that I um, am passionate about and want to, you know, kind of really dive into and do more work and in, in being able to break some of those barriers down. So those are just some of the things that I've thought of, obviously combining our conversation around Counseling Awareness Month as well as um, National Minority Health Month. Um, so that was a two for one, putting both of those together, um, which again, more ironic than anything that those are both falling this month, but I think pretty awesome that we get to talk about them during our first month of this podcast. So hopefully that was useful information. Um, I think right there is a good place for us to take a quick break before we come back and talk about um, our pop psych moment of the day. I'm super, super excited about it. Um, and so we'll be right back.
we're back so i am very excited about this pop psych moment of the day i actually really i guess can't consider this one of our formal segments because i'm pretty certain last week when i told y'all what the formal segments were this was not one of them um but just in preparing for today's show um I knew I could not let this week go by and not talk about it. Um, And so I definitely hope that, if nothing else, you forgive me for sort of adding a segment that I didn't give you a heads up on, but that I hope you like just as much. And of course, if you do, maybe we'll keep it around. So um, my pop psych moment of the day is none other than the worldwide international uh, hashtag of Beachella. So what can I say? First, uh, let me just go ahead and admit to my biased love for all things Beyonce um, since Destiny's Child. Um, And I'm a peaceful woman, but I think I would probably fight for Destiny's Child. um, And as a result, also fight for Beyonce. So um, I'm just putting that out there before I even get this conversation going. So, of course, as the first black or African-American woman to headline Coachella, Beyonce came through with no apologies um, from everything, you know, including the African and Egyptian themes and the tire to the live marching band and the drum line to the probate format and the choir. Um, there was just so much rich black imagery and it almost made me want to weep and be with pride at the same time. It was overstimulating somewhat because it was just that exciting, um, but it was just really great Um, to see play out um, in front of the world. So there's not even enough uh, time to discuss my thoughts about like the Destiny's Child reunion and Beyonce's sister moment with Solange. Um, But for today's pop psych moment, I definitely wanted to make a connection to our earlier discussion around minority mental health and the importance of representation um, and how that plays into mental health as well. So What I loved about Beyonce's performance at Coachella was that it was completely unapologetic um, and definitely a true appreciation piece and performance. Um, In most spaces, people of color often have to overcompensate for, you know, a lack of knowledge about their history and their customs and their norms by other people. And so, you know, this includes educational settings, the workplace, and obviously even the entertainment and mass media industries. Um, And so when you have to couple this overcompensation with the direct forms of racial discrimination and microaggressions like we talked about earlier that still exist in today's society, many people, um, especially those that work in the mental health field or higher ed or even public office, um, all of which should be considered neutral, safe spaces, they definitely may experience Um, this overwhelming feeling of what we would call racial battle fatigue. Um, And so this term, which was coined by Dr. William Smith in 2003, um, is used to describe psychophysiological symptoms that many people of color experience by living in and navigating predominantly white spaces. Um, These symptoms, you know, range from everything from anxiety to depression to frustration to anger. And so for Beyonce to put herself out there and to put together a performance that honored and highlighted um, black culture, it sends a very strong message um, 
you know, that individuals, particularly people of color, need to see themselves and their culture represented in a way that is both positive um, and most importantly, accurate. I think that's probably the thing for me that um, was such a great visual. So I did not attend an HBCU, but um, the majority of my family did. And in particular, um, my grandmother who worked in um, housekeeping at Dillard University in New Orleans. Um, I spent a lot of time with her there on campus as a young girl and getting to see and witness um, education in a space that was filled with men and women who looked like me uh, was was unique, was empowering, was inspiring. Um, and so to get to spend time there, you know, at such a young age and really have an appreciation for um, the culture that both an HBCU and the college experience in general provides to black students um, is something that I think is just irreplaceable for me and, and hopefully played a big part. And I, I think it did in um, my own educational pursuits and personal pursuits um, and how I view myself and my own self-esteem and being able to now uh working with both college students and millennials and um, even men and women, you know, of, of older generations to feel that sense of empowerment and self-worth um, by being able in the therapy room to look across um, and see someone who looks like them and to recognize that, you know, that matters in that process of seeking support um, and pursuing goals and passions. Um, so again, for her to put herself out there and really um, send such a strong message and really make sure that uh, our culture was represented in a way that was positive and accurate. Um, it was just phenomenal. And so, of course, with more images out there that's like this, it becomes much easier for individuals to identify with the feelings of having a true place in society, a purpose, and the ability to just be happy um, and be happy just as you are. And so these are the things most people feel in some form are inaccessible when they end up arriving for mental health treatment. Um, I see it every single day. These are the things that people are in search of, um, no matter their, their background. Um, those are the things that sometimes we feel like we lack. And so in order to uh, rectify that in seeking therapy, the imagery and what you see also when you leave the therapy room is really important. So obviously, thank you to the Queen Bee for getting the entire Coachella audience and the world into formation um, and being unapologetic about self-imagery and perception. Um, and of course, as a result, all things pro-mental health, pro-mental health awareness, and of course, for giving us our pop psych moment of the week. So thanks to the Queen Bee herself. So um, final segment, which is one that I promised you, so I promise I won't go off script too much more in the future, but I needed to say that, um, is our small talk book show. So this is uh, for us, one of our segments where I will share, you know, what I'm reading, what things um, have influenced me over the, the past week um, to be able to share that with you all as resources that maybe will be helpful in your own um, self-help, in your own um, pursuits and, and wellness, and being able to, of course, share it with other people. So I actually have two um, small talk bookshelf moments to share, one being um, one of my favorite books that to this day, I don't know if I've quite read anything like it, 
Um, and not until after reading it did people sort of in my social circle inform me that there was controversy around it. Um, I had no idea because in reading it, I was so enthralled with um, the story and the message behind the story that there's nothing in my mind that's controversial about it. But um, one of my favorite books is The Shack by William P. Young. And what I like about this book um, is there's a very clear connection between spirituality and faith, like we were talking about earlier, and mental health um, and your your well-being. And so the title of the book itself is a metaphor. Um, and this was something that William Young stated about the book is, you know, the house you build out of your own pain. That's why it's called a shack. You know, often a shack is this sort of like rugged, raggedy building that um, most people don't want to live in or could not imagine um, someone occupying. And oftentimes when we find ourselves in tight places, um, in challenging times or having to make tough decisions, um, we really do build sort of these homes around ourselves that are filled with painful memories, painful experiences, um, even painful worldviews. And so we function in a way that doesn't ever allow us to be happy because we've sort of taken on this permanent uh, home place of negativity. And so, you know, what I really like about this book and the, the storyline goes way deeper than that. And maybe that's where some of the controversy comes from um, with the like spiritual and faith-based themes um that are found in the book um but what i love about it is again you know this idea that sometimes we get stuck sometimes we get hurt sometimes we go through pain um but the thing that is most important is always going back and being able to sort of rectify that pain or at least find out the cause so that you don't have to duplicate that pain in your future. Um, and particularly in thinking of, you know, how you see that play out in your future relationships or in um, the lives of your children. And so being able to really uh, address and approach and rectify things like that is very important. And so um, I love that book. I think it's something that I would probably read over and over again. I also realized that um, in 2017, they made a movie. I did not see the movie, so I can't vouch for that. But I heard, you know, it was a great depiction of the storyline and that people really loved it. Um, so my hope is that um, if you are more of a movie person, go ahead and watch it. But the book, I think, is um, definitely the message that we want to convey as we start really making some connections around spirituality and faith, as well as mental health and healing and wellness. Um, it's a great resource, so definitely check it out. My other small talk bookshelf piece is um, one of my favorite websites that I think provides just a lot of great information about finding uh, mental health resources, as well as culturally competent providers and asking questions. And so of course, again, we are celebrating both Counseling Awareness Month and National Minority Health Month. Um, and so my recommendation is um, to visit the National Alliance on Mental Illness. So NAMI, N-A-M-I dot org um, is a great resource to just really find out information around mental health. And what I love is that they have very specific 
um, web pages dedicated um, to ethnic minority groups, special populations. And so being able to utilize that as a resource, particularly those of you who are still out there trying to figure out if counseling is something for you, is something you want to try. Um, it's a great way to get some of those questions answered uh, without having to just call around a bunch of places or search a thousand different websites to get information. Everything's right there. Um, and it's a great resource. And so obviously we realize, you know, there's not a small talk everywhere where you have a black female therapist that you can go to if that's a specific um, sort of requirement of yours where you can find somebody that you feel comfortable with, you know, regardless of background or culture, it's critical. And so being able to utilize a resource like that is important. So we realize that, you know, there's not a small talk everywhere. Um, so I can even remember two years ago in 2016, um, when we first opened our doors, there was a call out by Ebony Magazine um, for a listing. They were creating a listing of mental health resources across the nation. Um, and so we submitted and when the issue came out in, I think, the October 2016 of Ebony, um, and I think it's still up on their website. We were the only mental health resource listed in Louisiana, in the state. So not in Baton Rouge, where we are, not in New Orleans, where I'm from, um, but in the state of Louisiana. And so obviously, you know, there's still much work to be done in making sure, one, that people know um, about mental health resources that, you know, include them being able to talk with someone of a similar culture or background, but also just in general, being able to know who is out there and available um, to do this type of work for those that are looking to get that type of support. Uh, we've talked a ton today about not just relying on certain parts of your identity to get you through and realizing that every now and then having an unbiased person um, to work with, to share with makes a huge difference sometimes in how quickly you're able to move forward and, and really get on track um, and accomplish things for yourself, but also in being able to, you know, have that confidential place where nothing is off limits. You can share whatever you want, your pains, your um, good news, your job promotions, um, but also being able to know that when you walk out of that door, what happens in there stays in there. Um, and so, you know, knowing where to find us is really, really important. So I hope that if whether Ebony or any other groups do that sort of thing again, um, that there are more people, not only here in the state of Louisiana, but wherever you are, um, so that you can find that. And so, of course, if for whatever reason you're not in Louisiana and you're listening to this podcast and you are looking for support, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, we'd be happy to help you figure out where to go. Um, our website is www.smalltalkcounseling.com um, and we'd be happy to be able to connect you with the resource in your area um, because getting that support that you need is critical um, and obviously you being healthy helps all of us to continue in the things that we're doing um, as a people but also just in general to be able to make sure that your wellness is a first priority. So we have made it to the end of our second episode. Um, I hope that you guys are continuing to enjoy um, these discussions. Uh, we'll start bringing on guests soon, so I'm very excited about that. Um, I want to thank you all for tuning in again for a second week in a row. 
Um, I hope that if you haven't already, you've subscribed to the podcast, both here on either iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, And if you have enjoyed it, I hope that you also will share it with a friend. Um, If you're looking for other ways to connect to us outside of the podcast, uh, we're on Instagram at Go Small Talk Counseling, um, as well as on Facebook at facebook.com slash smalltalkcounseling. Um, And you can find more about the Emerald Couch, more about us and what we do, as well as share your questions um, for us so that if you would like to have your question answered on air, we would love to do that. Um, So make sure that you either go to the website or go to our social media to submit your questions for our Ask Dr. LP segment and tune in next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Emerald Couch. We'll see you next time.